Good morning. We're glad you could join us today. With the virus going around, it's certainly altered and changed our lives, hasn't it? Well, we're here, and we're here to meet with you online. And we know that many of you are spread throughout the country and tune in and watch. In fact, we think this gives us a golden opportunity to expand our ministries over the internet and through social media. So please watch for that if you have friends or so forth who who you could uh, encourage to tune in and would be blessed and benefited by watching, please do that. We'd love to have you be part of our, have them be part, I should say, of our worship experience here. Uh, we are working as best as we can to make this happen. And of course, for new technology and everything, there are lots of gremlins at work. And so uh, normally we would be showing you my slides. I can't, so this morning I'm just going to share with you what I have prepared for you on the last part of the series that I was doing on the book of Hebrews. And if you have your Bible with you, that would help. And I'm going to give you just a moment. If you don't have your Bible, go grab one if you could. If not, I'll be reading the scripture to you. But it would be helpful if you could look in your own Bible. Then you could follow along. So if you're doing that, just leave me on for a little bit and I will kind of help you uh, have time to go find it. If you have found your Bible, would you please look at Hebrews chapter 13. We're at the very end of this series, and Hebrews is at the end of the New Testament. It's before uh, several little books, but it's uh, after the letters that Paul wrote. And we believe that the book of Hebrews was written by Paul. So if you would uh, look at that and find out, we're going to go ahead. So our series has been focused all about Jesus. It has been that focus and that emphasis because it is the focus of the book. In fact, it's the focus of the whole scriptures, if you really want to understand it completely. From Genesis through Revelation, the whole book, the whole Bible, every chapter focuses on helping us to understand God and his son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for us. So the question we've been looking at over this, uh, this winter and looking at has been, what is Jesus doing now? Yes, we, uh, many, most Christians believe and are looking forward towards Easter knowing that Jesus rose from the dead and that he ascended into heaven. But what is he doing now? Is he just sitting and waiting? Or is there activity in heaven that's going on? And I would suggest to you that what is taking place is that he is, from the words of Paul here in Hebrews, suggesting that he is offering his own blood in the sanctuary near in the very throne room of God, where he is offering and ministering to us, which is a very beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing now. So he's active ministering to us all. But as we look at our Bible today, as we look in Hebrews chapter 13, it's particularly important for us to look at Paul as he would look from his viewpoint his way of looking at it, and doing so, it changes how we might understand some of the verses that we're going to look at. We're not gonna look at a lot of them, we're gonna look at just a few. But if we look at Paul's verses here, if we look forward, if we look at his particular point of view, I'd like for you to look at chapter 13 in Hebrews, very first verse, which says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, now, we would understand that today is a very valid thing to say, but in Paul's day, in Paul's day, it had a particular meaning because the believers, the Christian believers, were on the outs, and they were kind of an illegal religion, as it were. And so, keep loving one another. Pliny and 
early church uh, governor in Rome, he would respond and when he was asked to investigate the Christians would say, well, behold these Christians, how they love one another. That was his impression about Christians and how they would love one another. So Paul's encouraging us to keep loving one another. But he goes on in verse 2 to say, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Well, the Bible talks about that, and we've seen some examples in the past through pages of Scripture. But now with our virus going around, we are kind of held up, but now we're trying to reach out to others via media. So please don't be a stranger to us. We want to show hospitality to you and to be part of that. But Paul is talking about you never know who you may be having entertained. And he mentions angels would be there. May angels will be around. So continue to remember those who are in prison, he meant, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Continue to remember those that were in prison. So he knew and had experienced people that were in prison. He knew Christians, fellow Christians were in prison, including some of the apostles. And those who were mistreated, certainly they were whipped, beaten, and he asks us if you or you ourselves could understand their suffering that they have gone through. Well, you see, after Jesus left, after Jesus rose from the dead and he left the grave, and, and then he ascended into heaven 40 days later, what we look at and see that the anger that the early Christians endured from the religious leaders now passed from Jesus and passed to all of his followers. In fact, that's still true today. In many parts of the world, there is a lot of anger towards Christians. And we see in the book of Acts, which records, records the activities of the apostles and the followed disciples of Christ as in their early believers, we find that very soon in the Acts, and just in the fourth chapter, that Peter and John are hauled before the Sanhedrin. They're arrested, hauled before the Sanhedrin. They're told to stop not to preach anymore, that they're not supposed to be in the temples and in the synagogues talking about Jesus. They were ordered to stop and to quit. And then just a few, just a few, three chapters later in, in Acts 7, where one of the first disciples uh, who was called a deacon at that time, Stephen, one of the very first among the seven, he, he was stoned. He was stoned for his faith in Christ. You can read the story there in Acts 7, but, but we see a progress, we see a progression as we look at each of those. So then we have Paul and Silas himself who were in prison. And they had experienced, and what happened to them? Paul experienced prisons and beatings and being stoned. He experienced all that. So persecution was, and in some places still is, a threat to all believers in Jesus. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's where you work, but they experience the reality of it being in prison and being beaten and being martyred. So when we read this about Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 3, continue to remember those in prison, that was something that was very real to them and something that was mistreated as he gives counsel. Remember those that are suffering in Christ's sake. You may have heard and know about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the 
fellow who was actually a cousin of Jesus, but he baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. He was the one who stood on the banks and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world when Jesus walked down to the River Jordan. He was arrested. He was put in jail because he was condemning the adulterous affair that Herod was having with his half-sister, uh, with his brother's wife, excuse me. He was, he was uh, condemning that and what had happened, and as a result, Herod threw him in prison. He became very discouraged. John the Baptist became so discouraged that he sent his disciples to see if they could go and find Jesus and ask him, are you really the Messiah or, or should we be looking for someone else? Did I make a mistake is what he was asking. And so John the Baptist sent his disciples and they went to see Jesus and Jesus said, well, just see what's happening. And so they watched him heal the blind and make the lame to walk and, and to minister to those who are hearing lost and correcting their hearing from the deaf. And at the end of the day, they said, well, go back and tell John what you have seen. And so they did go back and tell John. Later, later, John was beheaded at the whim of a drunken Herod. And that man who stood, the greatest prophet that ever had lived, died alone in his prison cell. I wanted to share this thought with you that I got from the book Desire of Ages. And it says, listen closely, God never leads his children otherwise than what they could have chose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they were fulfilling as co-workers with him. And if they could see and know how that went, they would not change. That's the way they would choose. Not Enoch, not Enoch who was translated to heaven, not Elijah who was ascended in the chariot of fire, was greater or more honored than John the Baptist who perished alone in the dungeon. Unto you, unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, Philippians 1.29 states. And of all the gifts heaven can bestow upon men, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings is the most weighty trust and the highest honor. It is participating with Christ, it is a fellowship with Christ in his sufferings, the most weighty trust and the highest honor. In the classes we've been having here, we've been talking about the life and times of the early church. And part of that experience and what we've been looking at is how many of those Christians suffered persecution and how they passed through that. And yet they took courage from the experience of the apostles and from John and others to stand faithful and to remain faithful to Christ no matter what suffering. And they felt Christ had drawn close to them during those great hours of need. Just recently, we talked about the pastor of the Church of Smyrna and the class that was on Wednesday night. Now, the pastor of the Church of Smyrna was named Polycarp. And Polycarp was the pastor of the one of the seven churches that's mentioned in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. If you look it up there, you can find that description and the message that Christ gave to that church in verses 8 through 11. 
Well, what happened was that Polycarp, as being the pastor, was well known in the area of Smyrna. And many of the non-believers, many of the Jews, and many of the pagans hated him because he was being so effective in winning people to come to know Christ as their savior. Well, eventually, they put up with him enough and they finally begged the governor long enough to please go get Polycarp and to throw him to the lions. Well, they went and arrived at Polycarp's place where he was staying on this farm. And when they arrived, he said, well, come in, come in, come in. And he said, uh, let's give you all something to eat. So he prepared for them. He had his helpers there prepare for all the arresting officers who had come to take him, prepared for them a meal. And so they sat down and ate a meal. And he said, I would like to pray. Could you just let me pray for one hour? Well, he's 86 years of age. And I said, oh, he's an old man. He can't get away. Uh, sure. So he gave us a meal. So why not? So Polycarp stood up and he, and he started praying. And what he did is he, he prayed for each one of those officers. He prayed for the church all around the world. He prayed for uh, people that were there that he'd always known. And instead of doing it for one hour, as he said, he prayed for two hours. Prayed on and on. And eventually when he was through, he said, all right, I'm ready to go. So they took him to see the, to see the local governor. Uh, there in Smyrna, and as they were talking and sharing with him, the governor pleaded with him, please, please, don't, don't let us make us do this to you. Just, just take and say, away with the atheists. Away with the atheists. Well, Polycarp was looking at people who didn't believe in Christ, the pagans and the Jews, as he looked around the arena. And as he was standing there in the arena, in this Roman arena, that had been built, he said, all right, away with the atheists. And he used his gesture with his hand to apply this. Oh, no, no, that won't work. That won't work. Just, now, just curse Christ, curse Christ and give up. And give up your life. Well, Polycarp, Polycarp, this 86-year-old man, stood firm and said, I cannot do what you've asked me. And then he said these famous words. Eighty and six years have I served Christ, nor has he done me any harm. How then can I be blaspheme my king who saved me? How could I do that? How could that possibly happen? Well, as a result, they took Polycarp out, they took and put him, they were going to feed him to the lions, but the day for feeding, the time frame of feeding the lions was over, he'd already evidently had his fill. And so they said, well, we'll burn him at the stake. So they tied him to the stake. And there they lit the fire. And the flames, they said, the people who watched it, the other Christians watched as the flame went around him but did not burn him. And out of frustration, they, they ran a sword through him and evidently his blood came out and put the fire out. It's quite a remarkable story. You can find it online, the martyrdom of Polycarp, to follow along the story. It's amazing to read that. But that's the kind of experience that Paul was talking about in Hebrews chapter 13. He was talking about that and giving us counsel about those who are in prison. And so, so he wanted us to live our lives in a different way. Not going and chasing, verse 5 says, do not go and chase after money. 
Don't be in love with money. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, and we'll look at that in a minute, God will take care of you. So, so you don't need to go chasing after money. You don't need to worry about it. Be content with what you have. Well, I don't know about you, but I notice when, whenever I see a new gadget come out on, on the iPhone or, or on my computer, I think, oh, well, that would be so neat. I, I'd like to have that. And so I keep adding more and more junk. Now, I have all kinds of stuff in my garage. Maybe you do too. And then I, every once in a while, I tell all stuff off to goodwill because there's no room to take in the new stuff. Well, here, Paul is saying, oh, you know, be careful, you know? Be careful, be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He took that from Deuteronomy 31.6. Paul's quote of that. God's promise to us is, never will I leave you. Even if you think you're destitute, I will not leave you. Never will I forsake you as a follower. He never forsake those who were being eaten by the lion. He was never forsaken those that were burned at the stake or those who were persecuted. He stayed with them, endured with them. Going on, Jesus said, I am surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, right at the very end of the book of Matthew. He makes that promise to us. I will be with you always, be with you there. So, Paul say, so we say with confidence now. We can say with confidence, knowing that God is always with us and that he will not forsake us. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals? Now remember Paul's perspective as he's talking about this, as he's relating this to us. These were not just empty words. These were just not empty words that were being said. Because he was under persecution. He saw others that were being persecuted. And already some were being facing martyrdom, including himself. And so that comment, that thing that the Lord will be with you at, what can mortal men, what can these that are persecuting do us now that we hang on to Christ? Now that we hang on to Christ. Well, it's hard for us, hard for me to see, well, I welcome suffering. I welcome the punishment of God as he's trying to correct things in my life. We talked about that last week. But this morning, I'd like for us to to look through Paul's eyes and to look at that, that these are just not empty words that he's sharing, not just platitudes, but real life experiences. We pass through the difficulties that we face, that we can stand and know that Christ is with us and that he will be with us. I don't know if you remember, some of you younger folks may not remember, Alex, uh, Alexandria Solzhenitsyn and, and who he was. He was a Russian. He was a novelist, he was a philosopher, he, he also was a historian, he wrote short stories as a writer, he was, then became a political prisoner because he was speaking out against the communist regime and they put him in jail and locked him up. And from his writings, from his writings we have learned that uh, he eventually got a, in 1970 he was awarded a Nobel Prize for Literature. He was so well known. Maybe some of you don't remember him too young. But I remember him and I remember some of the things that he said. I wanted to share with you this about what he relayed to us as he was thinking about his experience of being in prison. He wrote, It was only when I lay there on rotten prison straw. 
that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating between good and evil passes not through the states, nor between classes of people, nor between political parties either, but right through the human heart. So bless you, prison. Bless you for what you have taught me. Now, I thought that was amazing that he would say that, that he would that make that comment that his prison experience was a teacher to him. So maybe for those early pioneers, those early folks who, who endured prison, who endured martyrdom, those experiences taught them, taught them great lessons. Verse 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Remember those? They've been in jail, they've been persecuted. Consider the outcome of the way of their way of life and imitate, uh, imitate their faith. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, how they stood faithful. He's calling for all of us through the trials of life, through what we're passing through now, to stand firm and to stand firm for Christ in this way of life, to imitate their life. Well, you might ask, how long is this uh, COVID-19 going to last? I don't know. I have heard that in a couple of weeks we'll know how long it's going to last. I don't know if that's true. I'm, I'm not a physician. I'm not a scientist. I do not know. But whatever length it takes, whatever it's going to do, it has been a good thing and experience for us because it's helped us to look outward in expanding our ministry beyond just gathering here. We want you to help us do that. We'd like to help, help you and help others by expanding our ministry. If you could share this with others, say, hey, on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock, we can turn in and we can listen to some great things being shared. And we can be part of that. We can be blessed. We can be encouraged. So if you could do that, that would be great. Please let us know how you're doing it and what helps the most. That helps us know how to tailor our ministries for that. So we don't know how long it's going to last. Some say, well, it could be a month. Some say it could be until summer. We don't know. It's a new virus, so it's hard to know. But what now? What should we do now? Where should we go now? Well, it's interesting that the Bible, and he comes back to say, in Jesus, in verse 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which implies to me that Jesus is our loving and caring Savior. He was when he was here on earth. He was before he was born as the Son of God moved upon the face of the waters and worked all the way down through the Old Testament. We also see him loving and caring and compassionate. We see him reaching out to people no matter their strata of life or their experience. We see him loving, caring, willing to save, willing to listen, willing to forgive. And so Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever is a message that needs to be shared forever and around with everyone. 
calling them to Christ. So as we pass through this pandemic, as we go through this experience, I would encourage you to find comfort and solace in Christ, even if you're by yourself. Please know you're not alone. He is with you, and we are praying for you. We would like you to enjoy the experience of us all praying for you. So each day I've been putting on a little short message for you. We're going to try other things as well. But we're going to be here on Saturday morning, sharing with you at 11 o'clock the great truths of Scripture, particularly as we go towards Easter. So please feel free to share. We thank you. Let me close with prayer. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for the opportunity this gives to share Christ in even a wider and more personal way as people open up their computers or they watch on their phone and are able to go through the internet as we send the love of Christ to them from around the world. And wherever each of us may be gathered, whether we're here in Collier County or Lee County or if we're even in the state of Florida or from all over the U.S. or around the world, we know that there are many people who are following. Lord, I ask you send your blessing. You know where they are. You can encourage them and help them, whether they are sick or in need, whether they are in spiritual need, lift them up. Know that you are there, that you care, and that we're all hanging in together and praying that this will end quickly and that we may have a greater fellowship together. I pray this in the name of Jesus, our loving Savior and Lord. Amen. We'll see you 